Yeah, Scott Kaplan in today for George Sedano, along with LZ. He has not. He has not seen my tattoos, people. Do not, not listen to Morales. <laughs> How many you got? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know, maybe 15? Really? So he's probably seen the ones in my arms, but some of the more creative ones he has not seen. Mm-hmm. They all, uh, they all theme. They all mean something. Oh, or, absolutely. Let me hear what, uh, like, tell me something. Um, let's see. I have a tattoo that says, uh, No Day But Today, which um, is a line from the musical Rent, and it is both a personal uh, motto of mine, No Day But Today, but it also was the song that my blind date-ish and I both realized we had in common. And uh, 12 years later, we're still singing that song. Nice. So, so yeah. So, they all have meaning that, uh, you know, are way beyond just the immediate. You know, I am thinking about a Kobe tat. Um, I just need to figure out what and, more importantly, when. Because I ain't rolling up in no tattoo shops anytime soon. I'll tell mm-hmm. you that. <laughs> yeah. What about where? Oh, the where is easy. Where? The where is easy. Over the heart, bruh. Yeah, over the heart. I've been saving that for a minute. People who listen um, to the morning show and, and listen to me in particular, you know, on the day that Kobe passed away and all my writing, they know that when Kobe um, became somewhat of an LGBTQ advocate and and fought against homophobia in sports, that really touched me in a significant way. As someone who um, struggled to make it in this business way back in the '90s because of homophobia, to have Kobe stand up and say, you know, it's all good. Um, if you can ball, you can ball. Sports is for everybody, regardless of who you love. That just meant the world to me. So, so yeah. That's really cool. Now, that would just immediately get me to one question. If you're going to put Kobe over your heart, which I think sounds very sweet and sincere and honest and everything else, what do you think about Bergman's Vin Scully microphone signature tattoo. Have you heard about this? I didn't know Bergman was gay too. Didn't Vince Scully come out and fought homophobia and, and that's why Greg <laughs> yeah, did Bergman. that? That's awesome. <laughs> no. It, he meant, it's, look, obviously Kobe meant a lot to you. Vin has meant a lot to me as growing up in LA as a Dodger fan and from day one, if, if you see pictures of me as a kid, I'm wearing a Dodger hat and it's from listening to Vin Scully for all those years too. So he meant, and he got me into sports. So I have his name underneath a microphone. All right. So it has meaning. See, I, are you, okay I, you know what? That? I'm, I'm all down for that. I'm all down for, because tattoos are personal, you know, they, they, they truly are. And, you know, as I said, I have a lot of tattoos and every single one of the lines, the drawings, the images means something to me in a significant way. I have a Black Panther on my chest and anyone that listens to me is probably not surprised to hear that. <laughs> but that was actually the first tattoo that I got. You know, it was like, oh, this is what I have to do. This is my life's work. This is my calling. All right, well, let me embrace it. So, so yeah, I'm a big tattoo guy. But if you're not into tattoos, that's cool too. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily think that you know having too many tattoos or having no tattoos at all says anything about a person's character. No, I, uh, I just asked because you, you said you were pretty young when you got your first tattoo, right? Yeah, I was uh, 21. You, you said you know, kind of fighting your way up through the 90s, right? Yep. Okay, so let me, let me throw this at you, LZ. The Lakers win the championship. 
and then the Dodgers win the championship, win the World Series. Mm-hmm. It's pretty crazy that two teams in the same city would win championships in the same year, but this one becomes even stranger because it's all in the same month. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe that sports took the turn that they took this year with COVID and the, the, the pause button on the NBA season, the continuation of the season, the bubble, the championship, return home, no fanfare. And then for the Dodgers to not be in L.A. or any of the teams to be at home, to be bubbled in Dallas, to win the World Series, again, come home, no fanfare. To have this happen in one city in one month is insane. And I've been trying to think to myself, the last time this happened was 1988. Uh-huh. although in the same year, not the same month. I'm trying to figure out where I was in late October in 1988. Do you have any idea where you were? I do. Um, what time specifically? Because it might have been geometry class. It could have <laughs> been my ec, my business ec class. But I was definitely a junior in high school in 88. And for those of you who are old enough – you know, 88 was an amazing NBA Finals, one, because it went seven, but also, two, you saw one of the greatest performances in NBA history with Isaiah Thomas dropping 25 in the third quarter, much of which was on a bad ankle. Well, I was a kid in Detroit at the time, and we were already conflicted about Magic versus Isaiah because Isaiah was our piston, but Magic was our boy from Michigan. And you saw that when they kissed each other each time, Cap, before every game. Their relationship went back. And that's exactly how we felt in Detroit about Magic and Isaiah in that finals. But I was down, obviously, because we lost. And Isaiah was hurt, and, you know, it was it was tough. And so to have the Lakers win was tough for me at that time. But then for the Dodgers to win kind of made up for it because we gave you Kirk Gibson. He was a Tiger first. Mm-hmm. And so we were right back in the game, baby, and my heart felt better all over again. Because it was, it felt as if the things that were important to me were still being represented, even if they didn't pan out the way exactly I hoped. Yeah, nineteen eighty eight. It's hard to believe it's thirty two years ago. And I was I was trying to put it all together for myself today. I'm like, you know what? I'm eighteen years old. Uh, it's October of nineteen eighty eight. I'm a freshman in college. I've gone from South Florida, where I went to high school, to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I'm now a freshman at the University of Pittsburgh, and I feel like I'm caught up in the middle of this college football season, because I don't know if we're playing Notre Dame or Penn State or Boston College or Syracuse, whoever we may have been playing that weekend, but I'm just I'm just looking back to 32 years ago going, gosh, I, I don't remember much about anything that was happening in pro sports other than the little world that I was living in at 18 years old as a freshman in college, but 32 years. It's been 32 years since these two legendary franchises have won their championships in the same year, and they did it in the same month. So for a year where COVID has been the story, and then it just turns into to Justin Turner, but where COVID's been the story and so many things have happened to people this year, businesses have shut down, yep. cities have shut down, people have moved, life has changed, etc. Kids aren't in school. Man, if you're a sports fan right now, you're going to look back at 2020 and go, it was a crazy year. But, man, the Lakers and the Dodgers won. Yeah, you know, it's so crazy, right? Because 2020, really, when you think about January 26, was just straight trash for, like, a while, right? And then, you know, right before COVID shut everything down, the Lakers beat the Bucks and they beat the Clippers. And we were feeling good. And then, bam, Rudy Gobert happens. And then we've got really low. And to your point, all those other things started to occur 
as they pertain to COVID. And then we had the summer of George Floyd, um, you know, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, right? So that's devastating for the nation. And that's very tough for us here in L.A. And to have like this mini comeback, if you will, because of the championships, um, you know, I think is our reward for being steadfast. It's our reward for keeping our head up. It's our reward for being resilient because, you know, it's real easy to get caught up in everything that's wrong right now. And, you know, we didn't do that. We stayed encouraged. Even when we were down 3-1 when you were with the Dodgers, we were still encouraged. And it's kind of like our reward for digging in our heels and keeping our head up, you know. Like Pac says, keep your head up, yo. I really like how the Laker players and the Dodger players are all talking about some kind of a joint parade. I like that the Dodger players are talking to the Rams guys about, you know, make it a hat trick. We got a lot to get into this afternoon, and I can just say this to everybody. Both LZ and I have both been texting Dave Roberts all day saying, Doc, we're calling in a favor. You got to come on the air today, and Dave Roberts is going to join us. I mean, I'm texting with him. I'm looking for a time, LZ. What, what, do you, what time do you want to bring Doc on? So I just sent him a note and said, can we get you at 5? Can we get you at 5 today? So I'm waiting to hear back. Um, hopefully, you know, he's with us with 5 because I told him, you know, he deserves this moment. You know, he. I wrote a piece for the LA Times today about how he deserves it. Um, and I honestly believe that, you know, LA is ready to embrace him fully. You know, you still got some haters and some people who are going to troll but the reality is, is this, this man has the third highest winning percentage in, in, in MLB history as a manager, the third highest in history right now. He's taken us to three World Series and he got us a ring. I told you, I'm from Detroit. We had Sparky Anderson for damn near 20 years. We had all that. <laughs> <laughs> I moved to Atlanta and was covering the Braves. Bobby Cox was there for 25 years. They ain't have all that. So I understand that the expectations are different when you live in L.A. I get all that. But you also have to realize that you could throw out one thing. That doesn't mean you're going to improve by bringing in something else. I'm glad you said all that because I'll give you my version of, of, of my Dave Roberts respect coming back. I do want to get your opinions on this Justin Turner situation. I, th- I Bergman may be right. You know, around the country, the story is Turner and COVID and people calling him selfish or or people questioning baseball. I, I definitely think it's something we want to get into. I'd also like to explore uh, where everybody else was in 1988. It's been 32 years 2020, crazy year, but incredible sports year. With LZ Granderson, this is Scott Kaplan. This is 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Along with LZ Granderson, it's Scott Kaplan filling in for George Sedano today on 710 ESPN. Do you like the nickname Cap? I've been, uh, I've gone by that and had people calling me that since I'm... Little kid, man. But do you like it? 
Yeah, yeah, okay. I like it. Okay. I, I, <laughs> you'll get a kick out of this. It was probably, I don't know, maybe five or six or seven years ago. I was doing a, a Sunday night football game in Seattle on Westwood One, mm-hmm. and James Lofton, James Lofton, the Hall of Fame wide receiver, who um, you know, I would always walk on the field with James before games, as I do with a Kurt Warner or whoever the analyst is. I'll walk on the field so that I can have some access to people that I might not know or or they might, and I don't. So anyway, um, this is Colin Kaepernick with uh, with the Niners at the time, and James said, "Hey, Colin, this is Cap. Hey, Cap, meet Cap." And he's like, can we take a picture? So the three of us took like a selfie on the field before a game. <laughs> and anytime I post that picture, people get so mad at me, you know, or other people are like, hey, that's awesome. But it's like one of those things now where you just post a picture with Colin Kaepernick. And I'm like, look, Cap meets Cap. And people like take that as some political message. Everybody's so uptight. Everybody is uptight, but you know, I get it. I mean, you take pictures of certain people. I'm going to get bent out of shape a little bit myself. So, you know, I just saw Buster Olney tweet that I just brought up the Tigers, right? Now he's saying that A.J. Hinch is the leading favorite to get the job, to be the new manager. Which, Hmm. in a lot of ways, makes my life so much easier. Because? I don't have to straddle my alliances, my love. (laughs) Now I can just be pure Dodger. Because no way in hell I'm be rolling around with my Detroit Tiger t-shirt on anymore if that dude is the manager. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing that. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, this is why it's so interesting to me that that there's so much venom out there, it seems, for this Justin Turner situation. When I say venom, I don't mean from Dodger fans, obviously. I think it's just it's just a national story where people are, are taking all their shots at him about, you know, how selfish he is. I think to myself, did baseball really do anything to the Houston Astros? So they fired the manager and the general manager. Big deal. You know, like the Astros got a slap on the wrist and people are saying, what's going to happen to Justin Turner? Should he be suspended for 25 games? Should he be fine? Should the Dodgers be fine? I know. I hear it all. I'm like, are you people out of your mind fining or suspending a guy for celebrating with his teammates? Now, I understand that, you know, he was selfish and he broke protocols. I get all of that. But in a hierarchy of priorities for baseball, not society, but for baseball, how are you going to punish the Dodgers twice? Because <laughs> remember Joe Kelly and the nice swing, beep. How are you going to punish the Dodgers twice and still not properly punish the Houston Astros once for doing something that I think and most reasonable fans think is way more egregious? Given the context, way more egregious. Completely undermining the sanctity of the game? The integrity of the game? Cheating in the World Series with no punishment? But you're going to come down heavy on JT for celebrating winning the right way? The way you came down on Joe Kelly because he may or may not purposely have thrown the ball that way? (laughs) May or may not? I don't know. Let me tell you. um, There's so much more blame to go around if you're looking to place blame than just Justin Turner. You know, I, I don't know if you where you were, LZ, when you heard the news. So here's me. I'm watching the game. Game ends. I'm watching the Fox post game. And Kevin Burkhardt says, hey, we've got a breaking news story. Justin Turner was actually removed from the game because he's got a positive test. At that exact moment, my brain went like this. Oh, no. Poor guy. Yep. He, he, they're going to win the World Series. He's not going to be there to celebrate with his teammates. Yep. What a terrible, tragic story for him. And then he's out there on the field. My mind was, okay, 
So they pull him off the field. Hey, man, you got to come off the field. Uh, turns out you got a positive test. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to put you in a, in a bubble, okay? And we're going to take you in a van, and we're going to transport you to a hospital, and you're going to have to be all by yourself. And that's what I was thinking was going to happen. And then there he is out on the field. And I hear people say things like, nothing could stop him. There was nobody who could stop him. And I said, oh, really? Because I would think that it's a game. There's thousands of people there. They've got security. They've got cops around. I mean, if they really, really wanted to stop him, they could have. So to me, the players seem to want him out there. Nobody's families were running in the opposite direction. Oh, here comes Justin Turner. Don't want to sit next to him. Andrew Friedman's right next to him. Dave Roberts, who's coming and he's going to join us at the top of the five o'clock hour, right? He, he's sitting right next to him. It seemed to me like everybody was like, let's, we want him here. So this, this notion of, of one guy is so selfish to me. It's like he went out there to celebrate. They all wanted him there to celebrate. They all assumed, well, if we, if we've been around him, we've been showering with the guy. I mean, come on. And so this, I think they this, showered near him, not with him. But go ahead. I get your point. Well, you understand what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe there's new COVID policies of how guys shower, you know? But I just feel like I feel like one guy is getting beaten up over something that I think many of us feel like I would have done the same thing. Well, I certainly would have done the same thing. I'm not going to speak for all our listeners, but I would have run out there and I also would have been selfish. I'm not trying to say that JT wasn't selfish. It was selfish because he didn't want to be left out of what was happening. Because to your point, just as no one says, hey, you know, get away from me. You got the cooties. There also wasn't people, as far as I can tell, saying, I'm not taking a picture unless JT is there. No, they were caught up in World Series euphoria, and it was just a whole bunch of celebrating. And I don't have a problem with that aspect of it, only because he had already basically been around all those guys all game long without his mask anyway. So there wasn't something new being introduced necessarily by him coming back to the field as much as we had new information, and so we looked at the way he was on the field differently. But that didn't change the fact that he had already spent hours with those guys already. I feel like Major League Baseball is scapegoating one guy. Their press release saying, you know, he did this. He went out there. He broke the protocols. I'm like, wait a second. You guys are the ones that gave a test when the day before the test was inconclusive. Then you give a test, and then he dresses. He's in uniform. He's in the game and you find out this late into the game, listen, if I were running PR for Major League Baseball, I'd have been like, okay, shh, nobody say anything. No, let the game end. Nobody say a word. And let's get to the end of this game, and then we'll figure it out. I'm, I'm surprised that they, that they did what they did. And that they're, they, I feel Why like they're just outing surprised? one guy. Why are you surprised? Baseball does a horrible job of managing this PR in the right way. Horrible job. Baseball does a piss-poor job of making sure that the players and the owners and and the commissioner are on the same page when it talks about protecting the business of baseball. Baseball is the sport that tried to tell us nobody was on steroids, and when they finally couldn't lie to us anymore, just says, I can't believe this, like (laughs) they weren't supplying the needles. Mm. So, I mean, like, baseball has a long history of not getting these sort of conversations right. If I were running baseball, they would have been playing on the 4th of July. American Pie everywhere. Baseball is back. We would have had a bubble. We would have done the bubble in Phoenix. We would have done the bubble 
uh, perhaps in Florida, and that would have been that in July. But baseball wants to do things differently. There's technology, Scotty, you know this, but they don't want to use it until they have to, <laughs> right? They much rather get the call wrong because that's tradition as opposed to go, oh, it's actually 2020. We should probably use some of this stuff to make sure we get it right. But that's baseball. I uh, I just thought, I, like, this whole thing is such a mess. And I feel like today, like, the euphoria that Dodger fans are feeling, wow, we just won the World Series. It's been 32 years. Redemption for Kershaw. And people are going to get off of Dave Roberts' back. And what a team going into the future and all this young talent. And, you know, look at what Mookie added to this team. And World Series euphoria everywhere. People on the streets downtown. Cars doing donuts and blowing up through fireworks. And everybody's so consumed with firework shows. I, I never understand. Elsie, you'll have to explain it to me. Hmm. Does everybody have fireworks in their closet at their house? Like, hey, I got a supply right here because I just never know when I all of a sudden want it to be 4th of July. Uh, the, the fireworks after these games, after championships are won, it cracks me up every time I see news helicopters flying up and down showing me these 4th of July fireworks shows. So I love fireworks. So do I. I love them. Uh, but do you have a lot? Do you have a lot in your house? I dated some, but I don't have any now. <laughs> I mean, I don't have any. I don't have a closet filled with fireworks. I, I, I do not have a closet full of fireworks, but I certainly was outside enjoying all of them. Absolutely. Probably a little too late into the night, but I was still out there because it was it was magical, man. It was fantastic. We were on a text exchange, and you know Jorge and I were talking about how we were crying, and Travis Rogers, this was the eighth inning, and Travis was like, you two get your ish together. This job is not done. Stay focused. And I was like, I can't. I'm so emotional right now. We're so close. <laughs> hey, listen, that's why I'm saying in a, in a crazy year like 2020 with COVID and everything that's happened to have two championships in the same year, let alone both of them happening in the same month. Amazing. All right. With LZ Granderson, this is Scott Kaplan. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Scott Kaplan filling in today for George Sedano. What is going on, everybody, with LZ Granderson? Hey, hey, yeah. hey, 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 Scott. Yeah. Let this ride for a second. Turn that up, girl. Woo! From where you coming from? <laughs> so if you're just getting with us, we were talking earlier today about 1988. Where were you in 1988? when both the Lakers and the Dodgers won their respective championships. By the way, we'll ask Dave Roberts where he was in 1988 because LZ, Dave Roberts, manager of the World Series champion Dodgers, Dave Roberts coming up at the top of the hour. Yes, sir. Really looking forward to it. Um, You know, obviously there are so many people to be happy for. Kershaw's on a lot of people's minds. Um, you know, obviously we're happy for Julio because he's been a long time coming and he showed up in the biggest of ways. But I got a lot of love for Dave, man, because he goes through a lot from fans when we fall short. A lot. So he deserves to walk out with his chest puffed up because he did not fall short this time. 
Yeah. I wonder where he was in 1988. I bet you he was in, like you said, you were in high school. Yeah. I bet he was probably in the same. And we just heard the theme from a different world. You know, back then, 1988, the biggest TV show, like the biggest star going was Bill Cosby. I mean, he was like America's father at the time. And then wasn't A Different World the show that, that is what the Cosby show turned into when the kids went off to college? Well, yeah, A Different World was a spinoff from Lisa Bonet, who was the second oldest daughter. Yeah. Um, and then she was unceremoniously booted from the show for doing the Angel Heart movie with oh Mickey Rourke. Oh, my God. The Angel Heart movie because, was, oh, man. Because I mean, Bill was... Cosby said, Bill Cosby said, <laughs> Bill Cosby said <laughs> <laughs> that that movie sent the wrong message. <laughs> So he kicked Lisa Bonet off the show because he didn't want that smut to interfere with the purity of his productions. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's. I, I thought about it earlier today. I'm like, it was, it was 1988 when the when the Dodgers and, and and the Lakers won the championship. It's 32 years later. What was going on back in '88? We started looking this stuff up, and I went, "Oh my God, Bill Cosby was." America's dad. I was growing up Saturday mornings with Fat Albert as my cartoon, you know, and and Bill Cosby was was America's dad and Lisa Bonet. Oh my God, that movie you just brought up it was it called Angel Heart. Was it Angel name of the movie? Heart? Oh, dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm not saying Bill didn't have a point. It's just somebody else probably should have made it. Yeah, <laughs> right. What we know now what versus know what now. we thought then. Yeah, exactly right. If you know what the word hypocrite means, then you would know what we're talking about. <laughs> Is that your Cosby? It's the best I can do under it's these circumstances. Good. It's all right. I knew yeah. it. I knew it. Uh, so Dave Roberts is coming up. You know, you say you're happy for Dave. I am too. Uh, Dave Roberts has just always been to me a normal guy. Um, he was a guy who, you know, a high school football star in North County, San Diego, Walked on to play baseball at UCLA, and he, there's a whole story that goes along with where he was planning on playing football, didn't work out, deciding to go to UCLA, uh, having a great career. You know, who he became in Boston on one stolen base, coming back to his hometown and playing for the Padres, coaching for the Padres, and then getting, uh, when the Padres fired their manager at the time, they had him manage one game. And then they never gave him so much as a, a courtesy interview. Like, you played here, you're from here, you've coached on our staff, you've been with our organization. Not even so much as a courtesy interview. And mm -hmm. then he gets to come to the Dodgers and, and gets to you know walk into a clubhouse that has that talent. And he looks upstairs and goes, they've got this philosophy in a great spot. And, and finally, you know, he's going to get that ring. And so I, I'm, I'm happy for the guy. You know, LZ, when my son was young, and Dave's son was young. They were playing Little League at about the same time. And I would call Dave and say, hey, I'm going to come over. Like, I guess I would maybe ask rather than impose. But <laughs> he had a batting cage in his backyard. And he'd be back there with the kids. My son, his son, just working on BP. You know, and I was That's like, this awesome. is the, the greatest thing ever that, that I've got a friend who's a major league ball player who's, who's also a Little League dad who lets my kid come over and, and hit BP. I mean, just angel of a guy. Could not be happier for him. Dude, that is an amazing story. Does your son remember all that? Oh, remembers it all. Has like Dave Roberts signed baseballs. I mean, he's like one of his favorite guys. He should get a tattoo of Dave. Is that too aggressive? You know, maybe. I mean, maybe he should. I can tell from the pause in your voice <laughs> that you don't necessarily approve of that suggestion. 
I used to try and do Bill Cosby also, but I used to try and do like Eddie Murphy doing Bill Cosby, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, I would yeah. like to talk to you <laughs> about the things that you say in your show. Have a Coke and a smile and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with Elsie Granderson and Scott Kaplan, Dave Roberts is right around the corner, top of the hour, 5 p.m., don't go anywhere because the manager of the World Series Dodgers is on the way. This is 710 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Yeah, time for what you need to know. Scott Kaplan in for George Sedano along with LZ. Yeah. And here's our man, Greg Bergman, with what you need to know. All right, what do you need to know? Brought to you by Morongo. Play it safe. Good times. All right, so the first story for you guys, Scott and LZ. Chicago White Sox have named Tony LaRussa their new manager. He is 76 years old, and he's already in the Hall of Fame. Now, is this an overcorrection by the Chicago White Sox, especially after the heels of the Kevin Cash craziness move that he did in the World Series? LZ, what do you think? I mean, I think it's a trash hire, but who am I? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just being real with you. It's like... How many times can we play that? How many times can we play that same song? Mm-hmm. It's like listening to Dreams by Fleetwood Mac over and over and over again. It's like I got it. I like cranberry juice too. Can we move on? <laughs> I have a I have a buddy of mine who's a comedian. I saw him tweet today. He said, "Wait a second, Tony Larusa at seventy six years old just got the job, and and wait, shouldn't he be running for president right about now?" <laughs> I thought that's great. I mean, seventy six years old. Look, here is the thing. I believe that baseball managers in this generation have been hired to be babysitters. The the guys who are really the brains of the operation, at least the way ownership usually thinks about it, are the analytic general managers. It's why it's why Tampa Bay pulls Snell out of the game because rather than managing on gut or saying, you know, as a former player, my gut tells me he's on fire. I ought to keep him in here. No, the numbers told me and the game plan told me this is what we're doing and nobody has the guts to go against it, or at least that's my perception. So is it an overcorrection to go hire an old school manager who has a feel for the game? I would say so. But I'm with you, LZ. I think it's a trash hire. I think it's just a trash hire. It's just time to like, you know, listen, I'm not about hiring people because I work in HR and I need to check some boxes, but we know what the demographics are. I mean, come on. Seriously? Anyway. It's, it's a it's a terrible, terrible hire by the Chicago White Sox, and they're going to regret it with, within one year. Uh, all right, the next story is about LaMelo Ball, who you guys all know quite well. Apparently, he is dropping in the draft because he's having a tough time in the interview process. And there are already teams in the top ten that are in the back of the top ten thinking like, oh, we might land with him. Now, is this because of LaMelo Ball himself, how much of it has to do with LaVar, and is it just because he has the Ball name attached to him? I would say that if LaMelo Ball is dropping because of an interview process, that there's an agent out there feeding some reporters some bogus information. <laughs> like, 
I've been in sports. Cap, you've been in sports. We both have been in sports for decades. And I've never heard of the interview being the reason why someone doesn't get drafted at a certain spot. I've heard of other reasons. I've heard of other reasons, but I've never heard they flopped during the interview. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to buy this one. I would say, and, and by the way, I also don't think the father has anything to do with it anymore. Is he, does he still around? Does he, does he still have a Facebook reality TV show? The, 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 the Facebook show still goes on. He is still around, though, based upon what I've been reading, um, because it's been a long time since I've interacted with them. But what I've been reading is that the young men have separated a little bit from him in terms of him controlling every aspect of their lives. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, he, I don't think the dad's got anywhere near the mouth or the platform that he once had. I think it's a good move by the kids. And if it's true, and I'm with you, LZ, I'm not buying this. If it were true, I don't think the dad has anything to do with it. No, 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 no. If, if he's dropping, it's for other reasons. If he is dropping, mm -hmm. again, it could be just simply agents, you know, sending out bad information or team presidents or GMs trying to create a scenario where they can move up. All right, Greg Bergman, what <laughs> yeah. else do we need to know? Yeah, the, another thing that you guys need to know, the last one before Dave Roberts gets us in here, is that the Clippers are interested in signing Rajon Rondo as a free agent. And I don't know, does this make him more of a villain? I mean, he wasn't a villain this oh, in the in the finals, but he used to be a, a Celtic. If he goes to the Clippers, if he goes to that other team, how do Laker fans feel about him? We still, I mean, I can't speak for the entire Laker Nation. Obviously, no one can really, but... I will say for me, um, I'll still keep a little love for him. He was a Boston Celtic, and we had love for him when he became a Laker. And I think that's worse. I would say, I'm going to start with this. I don't believe for a second that Rondo's going to the Clippers. If you come to the Lakers and you understand the difference between who the Lakers are and who the Clippers are in the L.A. sports scene, and you also understand that the Clippers have never been able to get over, not just on the Lakers, they've never been able to get to the finals. If I'm Rondo, knowing what I know of the culture of L.A. and the two teams, I'm not going to the Clippers. I mean, look, if you're Ray on Rondo and you have two championships, one from the Lakers, one from the Celtics, and the Clippers are like, here's the bag, are you going to say no? I'm not going to say he's going to say no to the bag, but you know, I've known Rondo a long time since he was a rookie, and I kind of know a little bit of how his mind works, and there are certainly aspects of joining the Clippers that certainly probably intrigues him, like testing to see – can his skill set and his ability and his basketball IQ turn the Clippers into winners? You know, I can see him being fascinated by that, but I don't necessarily see him walking away from a winning franchise either um, only because of money. I don't see that happening. I just want to say that I underestimated how important Rondo was going to be. I also didn't know that he was going to be able to come back from surgery miss the games before the playoffs in the bubble, and then work his way back into the rotation, be in shape, be on the same page with everybody, I, I severely underestimated the role that Rondo was going to play. But I also think that Rondo, you know him, I say I don't, but does he think he's going to go to the Clippers and go, hey, with what they've got, I'm the missing ingredient? Not so, I'm not so sure that's the case. He likes challenges. 
he likes challenges, and that would be a challenge. I just don't think that he will walk away from a winning formula just to challenge himself in this way. All right, LZ, uh, those are the things you need to know. But really, what we've been talking about today has been the Dodgers, the, the, the day after the euphoria of the Dodgers winning the World Series. My favorite part was after the NLCS when Dave Roberts took his mask off on the stage and said very emotionally, this is our year. This is our year. And when Dave Roberts and the Dodgers won the World Series, he did the exact same thing. I told you this was our year. Here is the manager of the World Series, L.A. Dodgers, the world champions, Dave Roberts on 710 ESPN with LZ and Scott Kaplan. Dave, good afternoon. Man, that has a good ring to it, doesn't it? Oh! Series champion Los Angeles Dodgers. Man, that's uh, that. I don't think I'll ever get tired of hearing that, Scotty. No, uh, man, I'm still riding the high right now. What was the first thing you did once you got out of the stadium and back to your hotel? The first thing I did is um, my uh, daughter and my wife were in the bubble with me. And then so once I got to the hotel, it was just the three of us. And we just had the biggest, like, group hug, uh, missing our son, Cole, who came but couldn't go, you know, down and be with us. But uh, just kind of had a big group hug, almost broke into tears. And it was like the biggest exhale of just kind of it was just us. There was some peace. And then. Obviously, gosh, guys, I had over 700 text messages, and I answered every single one of them. It yes, took me a day did. and a half, but that was kind of it. Yeah, I, I was shocked, Dave. I mean, I, I send a text, with, with which is just, hey, congratulations, man. Couldn't be happier for you. So proud. And yet, you returned all these text messages. If, if I were there, me and my family, I think I would have been very emotional. Because for me, the way I look at it, and tell me you know, your perspective, obviously, you know, this is a, a, an incredible achievement in a life of sports and in baseball in particular. To be a college ball player, to make it to the major leagues, to have one play, one stolen base turn you into a legend, to play for your hometown team, to not get an opportunity to manage, to go to the Dodgers and win a World right. Series when, you know, people are critical of every move you make. I mean, it's a crowning achievement. I don't know how you kept it together. Yeah, you know what, and I think this guy, you alluded to it a little bit, um, you know, after game seven of the uh, NLCS, and I and uh, I, I try to kind of stay even keeled, but then I, I did get choked up. I really did, um, because we really had our backs against the wall, and uh, I just felt if we can get there and overcome that 3-1 deficit, we, we were going to be champions, and um, yeah, there's a lot that goes with this, and, and I think that you know, to win the last Major League Baseball game of the season, you know, I haven't been a part of that since 2004. And, and as a coach or manager, I've had that opportunity. And it's been five years of hard work and putting everything you can into this organization, the city, the people in the organization, the players, and all the way up and down and around. And to kind of see, to finally do it, um, I mean, I, I've been in, Scott, we've talked, LZ and I've talked, it's like, you know, you look back at years, and after you don't win that last game, man, you just want to kind of bury your head and kind of just go off off the map. And so now I'm going to enjoy every bit of this and relish in this victory. As well you should, my friend, as well you should. Now, I thought this was likely your best managerial performance. I know the year in 2016 when you had like 5 billion injuries, um, that was pretty pretty damn impressive as well. But there were so many key moments, uh, decision-making moments during this run. 
Looking back now, which one were you most confident about that didn't work out and which one were you least confident about that did work out? <laughs> You're talking about on-field stuff? On-field stuff, yes, sir. Yeah, because I think that, you know, decisions and things that were challenges, there was a lot of off-field stuff and things that you had to kind of move and, and, and adapt to. But I think uh, just as far as recency, I really felt good about Pedro coming in that spot, being up a couple runs or uh, up a run or whatever it was. I, I just wanted to go in there and throw a change up, and he threw a fastball and Lau hit a homer, and it just was, ended up being a 3 and homer. But I felt good about that. I wanted to get back out there and, um, you know, so I felt good about that. Just didn't work out. Um, something I uh, that I didn't know. You know what? I didn't know how Dustin was going to respond. Um, I didn't know how Victor was going to respond because if you look at those guys um, in the CS, they didn't really pitch well. I think they were overamped, and uh, that's just my opinion. And so I had a good conversation with both those guys, and to see them pitch the way they did in the World Series, and Dustin gave us uh, obviously a big inning, and then Victor really came up big for us. So you kind of hope and you bet on the guys, but you really don't know until you know. Dave Roberts, the World Series champion manager of the L.A. Dodgers on 710 ESPN with LZ Granderson and Scott Kaplan. Dave, would you just give us your thought on, because this is an observer watching, so tell me, you know, insider living it. What, what did Mookie Betts change with this team versus teams of years past i mean these teams were there they were in the world series i'm not saying one guy was all the difference but it seemed to me like he added an energy maybe a looseness a fun a, a swag he added something to this roster that maybe it hadn't had what do you say yeah i i think all of the above um i i think on the surface you know as a fan um you can look at the kind of the energy uh the enthusiasm the uh, focus, the attention to detail that, that Mookie brings. And, um, you know, I, I think, and I know that fans feed off that. And we had a guy, and not to, you know, bring up old things, but, you know, Yasiel Puig was a very energetic, very talented player. Um, and, and our fans identified with him, and rightfully so. Uh, but now we have a guy that really plays every single play and minds the little things. Um, it just really resonated with our team even more. Um, so when you can go into the postseason and say a walk's as good as a hit, take good at bats, don't swing for the fences. When a when a coach is saying that, that's one thing. But when you're a superstar player saying that, and guys have respect for him, it really just kind of translates to the to the ballpark, to the field, and just kind of honestly, Scotty, just in the clubhouse, in the dugout, Mookie's kind of talking to everybody about you know competitive advantages or edges and what we can do on the margins to win. And, you know, you guys saw it on the bases and on contact plays. He scores two big runs for us. And defensively, um, just a lot of different things that he's really done. And for me, he was a difference with our ball club. You know, Dave, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk to you about the decision heard around the world, obviously with Blake Snell being taken out of the game. I'm not going to ask you to second-guess Kevin Cash because I know you're sick and tired of people second-guessing you. But I will say, I will ask you this question. When decisions like that are made that are counterintuitive to the eyeball test, what are the factors that overrules your eyeballs? What leads a Kevin Cash to see with his eyes that you guys can't get a hit, but there's some other factor that's telling him he needs to pull him out? 
Yeah, you know what? For me, it's it's uh, part of what we sign up for, LZ, and I appreciate the question. Is that you're opening? You're 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 going to get second guessed if things don't work out. And that's just kind of the nature of being a sports fan in sports and, and uh, a head coach or a manager, and that's part of it. Um, I, I just think in this instance. Um, you know, and I can't speak for him, but I can kind of articulate maybe what was going through his mind. There's certain things that you have history and what has happened with this player as far as Blake Snell and the third time through. But I do believe that, you know, in one moment you have to kind of sometimes step back and look at what is happening and, and kind of be able to be nimble. And I think that that's something that, you know, obviously if it would have worked out and they would have got Mookie out, it would have been a great decision or whatever. It didn't work out. I do know that our club was very excited that he came out of the game. Yeah. And uh, I do believe in momentum, and that's what fans kind of really kind of cater to. So, you know, and I've taken, you know, heat for things that you change momentum, and I understand that. Um, you know, that's just kind of part of what you do if you believe in certain things and know your players in a certain process. Hey, Dave, you talk about momentum. After Game 4, what was it like and what was being said before Game 5? Because that was one of these games where people were questioning – Will the Dodgers be able to get it back after the emotional end of that game? You know what, Scott? Nothing. Nothing for me. I, I do know that our players, it was a tough loss, and you could see my emotions at the end where I was thinking I see a Rose Reina fall down, and I thought I was thinking about the next inning, and next thing I know the ball gets by uh, Will Smith, and um, we get walked off. So um, our players, it was just no surprise that we had come out the next day and be ready to win a baseball game. And it's just the most resilient, and I know people say that quite often, but we don't make excuses. Uh, we play every pitch, and um, there was a thing that uh, we had on the board that I wanted up there was, you know, the team that eliminates or eliminates the scoreboard and plays every pitch is going to win tonight's game. You know, and, and I just think that in a, in a game like that, you're back against the wall. You can't worry about – you got to play every pitch. You can't – because once you start thinking about the inning, the situation, that's where pressure and stress – start to be introduced so uh, our guys did a tremendous job of that Dude, i think it was amazing i thought it was awesome dave we really appreciate it i appreciate you commenting on it it's great to talk to you i am so happy for you your family lz i know you are as well man good for you dave you are the champion you are the manager of the la dodgers the world series champion la dodgers it's incredible you're dripping in history you should probably go into no boo and say i'm never paying for anything ever again <laughs> <laughs> no that sounds great and you know what i i am a part of uh history you know we have we have you know one of the best organizations franchises histories in all of sports and you know i guess the one uh disappointment is i wish there were fifty thousand dodgers fifty thousand dodger fans there to celebrate with us but i know that they were watching from afar and there were guys there were a lot of fans at that stadium in arlington so which was very cool too Amazing. Incredible. Dave, appreciate your time. Appreciate all your comments. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you always. All right, fellas. Take care. Thank all you, right. sir. Dave Roberts. All right, there you go. How about that, LZ? That's amazing. That is, Incredible. That is absolutely amazing. So happy he decided to join us. Um, you know, it's when you are friendly with someone, when you're friends with someone, and you see them go through the rough times, as we have with Dave, to see him finally come out on top like this, it, you can't help but be happy for that person and also just satisfied because we were loyal to him as well. Yep, incredible. I'm so happy for that guy. 
Oh, man. And just truly amazing. All right, LZ, let's keep going. We got a lot we want to get to this afternoon. Let, let's turn our attentions for a minute over to the Rams. I don't know if you're interested tonight in the NFL game that's going to happen between Carolina and Atlanta. Not exactly uh, on my radar, but I, I, would, I would love to get to some Rams talk coming up. 